Welcome to MUN Declassified, where we break down all things Model United Nations. Please help me welcome your host, Miss Jessica Main. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MUN podcast. Today, we're going to basically be explaining exactly what Model United Nations is, just in case nobody else really knows what Model United Nations is or MUN. No, it does not stand for Manchester United. <laughs> in our podcast, MUN stands for Model United Nations. So we have our very first special guest, Ronaldo Blake, who last year was actually the secretary for the Model United Nations Club at our university. So he knows not even just a little bit, he knows quite a lot about Model United Nations, especially being in the exec and having done several different activities. So Ronaldo, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us. So Ronaldo, for those who don't know, what exactly or how exactly would you describe Model United Nations? Ah, so if you're hearing MUN for the first time, uh, think about getting together with a group of strangers who you don't really know very well and having to learn about basically those strangers and everything that they believe over the course of a couple of hours or a couple of days. You know, uh, when you do preparation from the United Nations, you prepare to represent a country and to represent a position. And there are many other delegates and individuals that are doing that from many different perspectives. So as you work together, you have to get to know people, you have to work with people, and it really becomes very dynamic and very interactive. So it's really just an amazing experience, you know, you have to work with people, uh, get to know them. So that would be my description in a brief of MUN. That's a really beautiful way to describe it, because I think there, I think at the core of Model United Nations is really not just teamwork, but knowing that persons in your team are going to be completely different and have completely different backgrounds than your backgrounds and your understanding of the world. So I think that's really important because, you know, it's something that's supposed to, you know, make us see that we should be unified by whatever differences you might have in life. So I like the way you describe that, like <laughs> Wikipedia, mm -hmm. if they have any other description, <laughs> they need to take your description for it. So <laughs> you touched on a bit the the part of persons coming together and trying to solve issues, which is basically what happens in simulations. So another term I think we should probably define for persons is simulation. So how would you describe a simulation? So if you've ever heard the word flight simulator or the term flight simulator, then that should be an understanding of what it is. The truth is there is a real United Nations. They get together delegates from multiple countries and they work together to solve the world's issues, right? So when we listen to uh, things about child rights, for example, when we hear about conflicts that are being negotiated on the international scale, these are things that are being done by actual delegates. And in a simulation, what we do is we essentially imitate what they do. So we set up the rules and the rules reflect what exists in real life. We assign delegates to specific countries and we tell them you're going to look at specific issues. So in the simulation, you actually go through the process of experiencing what that delegate would experience in real life. So 
in a model UN simulation, you're essentially simulating what happens in real life. You're experiencing the thing, you're reproducing the thing, but of course you get to do it from like your own perspective, your own point of view. So that's really interesting as well. Yeah, definitely. And I really like that our model United Nations Club at our university, we have those mini simulations during club meetings or at least one for, you know, once or twice per year so that all of us can kind of get that experience of, you know, okay, we're now going to be pretending to be France or, you know, another country, you know, in the Caribbean or in Africa. And as I said earlier, you know, it really helps you to not just get a better understanding of your team members, but you really have to get into detail and really just change your personal lens of the world to say, okay, how would this country deal with this problem in this situation? So I realize that it's, you know, it's something that is very important. And it also gives a lot of persons who want to go into government or, um, or diplomacy jobs a really good chance to really see how it would work if they were to get that, you know, professional job sometime in the future. One of the things that I, so like while you're on that, one of the things I really mm-hmm. love about our club meetings is it's really mind opening. These are one of the very few clubs at university and at UE that you can attend and have very rigorous discussions and issues that are really important in real life. And when you're taking it from an MUN perspective, you also have to look at not just what you believe is right and true, but you have to look at the kind of real politic calculations that are made by different states. Because sometimes states don't do what's in the best interest for humanity. They That's don't, so true. <laughs> governments don't always do what's in the best interest of their people. And when you're like contemplating these issues, you have to bear that in mind. We speak a lot about different conflicts that happen, right? No one is raging in Ethiopia. And the, like the question can always be asked on a layman level. Well, why don't they just get together and fix the problem so that their economy could continue to grow and you know people could stop mm-hmm. dying? And the truth is, in real life, politicians want power and states want to have influence, you know? So they'll do things that might seem irrational to the standard onlooker, but that makes sense in the context of them pursuing the interests of states, you know? And that's one interesting way that these discussions can come out and you could really have thought-provoking ideas in Mali UN. So I really love the engagement in clubs, you know, representing those countries, uh, the rational, the irrational, and in between. <laughs> no, definitely. I couldn't agree more because um, my major is in international relations. So I get to have these conversations in classrooms and to get so much knowledge from lecturers. So to be able to have a club that can kind of be an extension of that. And not just an, an extension, but really a safe space. Because I think that, you know, in this day and age, we need more youth talking about the issues and giving their honest opinion. Because at the end of the day, the persons who are in power, they're not going to be there forever. So it's important that we as youth can find those little opportunities like Model United Nations to really say, hey, there are other youth out there who are thinking about these issues and are also just, you know, looking for solutions. We're not just, you know, rambling and quarreling in the club about, you know, who is right and wrong. It's more about what's your perspective and how can we overall make the world a better place? So given that we're talking about all of these skills that we're learning, how do you think persons, or what what skills specifically do you think persons kind of gain from being in these simulations? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
there are a couple of hard skills and a couple of soft skills that you learn. Um, and if you already are good at these, you definitely improve, like regardless at the level that you're at, right? So I'll start with like the most obvious. One of the most fundamental skills you learn is public speaking. Uh, most people, and I'm being real here, most people when they come to MUN, they aren't comfortable with speaking on a public forum, even if it's just among peers. Uh, what you really learn to do is to understand that people are listening to hear what you say and they're not focused on like, the individual who's saying it. So you get comfortable with putting yourself out there and actually having um, an opinion and positing that opinion and defending that opinion, which is a very important and critical skill. You also learn how to deal with people better, right? So um, there are personality dynamics, as I kind of mentioned before, that tend to come out in the United Nations because of the kinds of uh, like topics that you're dealing with and what will be required of you. So you have to learn to deal with people who have different personality styles. Uh, you'll also have to learn with people who act in good, good faith to achieve things that uh, are a common objective. And you have to learn to deal with people who act in bad faith to achieve things that are, you know, in the common objective or things that are for them. So you have to learn to deal with those different types of personalities. You also sharpen your research skills. So MUN is not just something that you wake up in the morning, at least especially for the simulations that you wake up in the morning and you're able to do. You have to speak, you have to negotiate from a perspective of knowledge and a perspective of wisdom. And that requires a good bit of research beforehand. So You'll likely be scouring UN websites, you'll be looking up government policies, you'll be taking a look at what's happening elsewhere in the world to get a better understanding of the issues that are at hand and the solutions that would be necessary to solve those issues. So the research skills really get built out and related to that are your writing skills, right? We always write position papers before we go into simulations. And the position paper basically explains what a country believes on a particular topic and what they're going to do. And the position papers are also interesting in that because you're writing from the perspective of the state, there's a very specific format that you have to do. And for a vast majority of people, that's a learning curve, you know, so you get to learn uh, better writing skills. Um, and I also think like this isn't very on the nose, but it's something that's very important as well. You learn a bit of intercultural competence. So you learn how to deal with different cultures a bit better. And that's different from personalities. Individuals have personalities while groups of people have cultures. You know, so I think that's another interesting thing that you learn when you have to do MUN and socialize with people who are from completely different backgrounds. And I, I really like that you said that being able to perform in a simulation or carry out your duties in a simulation doesn't come overnight because, I mean, how many simulations have you done so far? I have done about eight or nine simulations. Eight or nine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I'm here with my little three. <laughs> I think I've done three. So I really like that you said that because... I think when persons come into the club or have to do a simulation for the first time, everybody is scared. I mean, I had my first simulation, um, I think I was 17. Yeah, I was 17 and um, I had no idea what was going on. Um, 
completely confused the whole time, you know. Yeah. And I mean, they gave us like, you know, a little guide, which usually happens, they give you a guide. Um, but I was completely lost. But the fact of the matter is that it's, you know, being in those kind of uncomfortable situations, knowing that you have to kind of put yourself out there and you have to make the preparation because if you go in there just, you know, blindly, it can definitely be a lot more stressful than it already is. But I can't believe you've been you've had eight eight to nine simulations. That's that's incredible to me. Like I'm <laughs> strangely enough, um, for a Caribbean student, right, where we have fairly limited opportunities, that's a lot. But you have a lot of kids who are going to simulations every month or every other week. So at the end of four years at college in the US, you might have gone to dozens of simulations. Exactly. Yeah. Um, my first one was actually in high school. That was the simulation for the Rotary Club of Century, uh, Central Port of Spain. We did like eight weeks of uh, intensive training. And then we had a two-day sim. I was representing the Hellenic Republic or Greece. And we we're talking about human trafficking. That was really interesting. But the thing is, before that one, we got a ton of training on parliamentary procedure or polypro. We also got training on like developing content and you would have gotten an opportunity to build out your knowledge base on your country. Most people who are doing simulations for the first time at high school or university don't have that same kind of training, you know? So I would advise you, if you're going into a sim for the first, second or third time, focus on learning your content. And once you get there, don't be afraid to ask questions. Point of parliamentary inquiry should be your friend. <laughs> All right, that should be your friend. Find out what's going on. But like the most difficult adjustment usually is that because you don't know parlipro, you don't know when things are supposed to be happening. You don't know what motions to raise. Sometimes how to raise them, and that can hold delegates back. You know, so learning parlipro that's very important. But it usually takes some time for those um, skills to develop and for that knowledge base to really kick in. So in the meantime, just perfect your content and don't be afraid to ask when you have a question and to raise your points when you get that opportunity. Yeah, yeah this is really this is really incredible advice. I wish that 17 year old me had somebody <laughs> like you to kind of give me all this information so I could have, you know, prepared a bit better. But that's that's actually incredible. So there is what. Um, so basically in. Well, now that we're talking about simulations, mm -hmm. um, there is what is known as the Harvard National Model United Nations Competition. And I know that you got the amazing opportunity to be a part of that competition. Did you go once or twice or? Uh, I participated in the competition three times, but I attended twice. Okay. Yeah. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> so Harvard National um, MUN is basically where all, almost all, you know, Model United Nations clubs come together to have a very grand simulation. So how was that experience for you? Give us a bit of, first, how was the preparation for that? Because you kind of mentioned to us a while ago that simulations, you know, at the school level are very intensive. So how was it preparing for this very international simulation? Yeah, like, so... Moon, as you rightfully mentioned, is like the oldest conference in the United States. It's also the largest conference. Um, so they attract delegates from all over the world. So 
when we're training, we have to keep in mind that not only are we going to be going up against some of the most competitive and the highest performing institutions and individuals, but we also have to keep in mind that for most of our delegates, it will be a new experience. It will be a cultural uh, adjustment. So the preparation is very intensive. So the selection process is actually part of the preparation process where we start with a simulation at UE and that usually begins in first semester. So following the simulation, a short list of students uh, is created. And then from that short list, there's uh, like an eight week or so training period. And then based on what the head delegates will see during that training period, the final students who will attend are selected, you know, and the, during those eight weeks, we practice a lot of speeches because public speaking is important, but we also review what we call committee dynamics. So once again, I would have mentioned earlier that you have different personalities, different cultures, you have people who are acting towards separate interests, and you have states that are being represented that have different interests. And that interacts very interestingly into this kind of hodgepodge where it can be very chaotic, right? So a new delegate or even a seasoned delegate that's going again has to understand those dynamics that can play out in committee and has to understand how they'll kind of engage with the other delegates to make sure that their point of view gets across and to make sure that as a delegate that they're representing their state and their university very well. So we do training on public speaking. We also do a lot of training on uh, committee dynamics. And we also get some information on how to adjust culturally. Because unfortunately, another thing that's kind of characteristic of where we're from is that we're significantly less liberal in the Caribbean than they are in the United States. So some comments that might pass and be perfectly fine in a Caribbean setting, it's just definitely not okay and could potentially have serious ramifications if they're made in that setting. So that's also part of the training as well. Um, but overall, like learning content, and especially when you're working with a big group of like eight, 10, 14 people, some study law, some study IR, I study geo, um, some study econ. Uh, when we're preparing in that space, we all have to kind of pitch in our specialties to give each delegate a very broad and deep understanding of their topic and to fully prepare them for uh, like the conversations that will be had while they're competing and to enable them to engage meaningfully with people who are also very smart and very knowledgeable about these topic areas. So it's a very intensive preparation process but it's very rewarding at the end, you know, that you have to say. <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, it's, it really is one of those once in a lifetime kind of experiences, because as you were saying, a lot of us Caribbean students, when it comes to clubs and kind of being able to get that international exposure with, you know, an international organization such as the United Nations and Harvard University as well, you know, when you get that opportunity, you have to make the best of it, even though it might be stressful. So for you, what would you say was the most stressful part? And also what would you say was the most rewarding part of being um, in the Harvard National competition? Hmm. Hmm. So I think the most stressful part would have, that's a very difficult question to answer. Uh, 
So I'm putting you on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> the most stressful part would probably be the preparation, you know, um, because you don't know what to expect. Uh, when you actually get to the competition, once you're following generally what you were taught in training, it's likely that you'll have a lot of fun, even if things aren't going perfectly your way, which like doesn't really happen. Like you train, 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 train. And then once you get there, things just start to move so quickly that you can only react, right? Um, sometimes you can be proactive, but most of the times, you know, it's just you reacting to everything that's taking place. And it can be a very, uh, like, it can be a very uh, strong moment, can be a very um, intense um, feeling for a lot of people. So for me, the most stressful part is preparation because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm trying to wrap my head and kind of stress around, okay, how do I integrate this in training? How will I put this into um, like negotiations and stuff like that? And the most rewarding part, in my opinion, was uh, just getting the opportunity to meet people from all these different places and to form lifelong connections. And this is something that you really don't get in other. I also debate and I've debated internationally, but there's a difference between debating and doing MUN. You can debate with uh, six other people who are completely new to you in a room. And once the debate is done, you leave the room and you never see each other again because you don't have to engage meaningfully. In MUN, you have to engage meaningfully. You have to ask them, oh, like, what are you studying? You know, what was your childhood like? <laughs> well, maybe not that, but you know, you get the idea. You have to ask personal questions. You have to actually get to know people. That's a part of the process. I mean, if the people I met during MUN, people I'm still friends with today, you know, we still talk. We still like have ideas about what's happening in each other's countries and we still, engage on issues that are relevant to us so it, it's really just an amazing experience getting to meet all these people from different places who speak so many languages you know so that was the most rewarding part for me that's amazing and I, I mean i have to agree with you i mean even though you went to the harvard national you know simulation the one that I went to was a lot smaller. It was abroad as well, but it was a lot smaller. And I can't agree more that the, the, the friendships that you make are, you know, once in a lifetime type of friendships, because as you said, you have to talk to them. You have to, you know, kind of interact with them on a different level. Um, so definitely I would, you know, if there's anybody listening who this is your first time, you know, hearing about Body United Nations or you're thinking about joining the club at your school and you're not sure, I would definitely say bring out a pen and paper and, you know, re-listen to the podcast because Ronaldo is definitely giving us a lot of very important tips that I'm sure will help a lot of persons. So you've said that it benefited you in so many ways. So how do you think it could also, what are some other ways you think that Model United Nations could also help other people? Mm -hmm. So I think it could be helpful just generally to improve your academic curiosity because a lot of times you don't find spaces where you can comfortably be smart. Like, this is so true. There are not a lot of people that you can talk to on a daily basis that want to have conversations about things that are important and interesting and that could potentially change the world. You know, um, and in like today's age where so many of us are distracted by like social media 
And I don't want to say frivolous things, but frivolous things, um, you don't get that sort of rigorous academic engagement on a frequent basis anymore. I think MUN is really a space where if you are interested in these things, what's happening internationally, if you have some ideas about how things can be fixed and you just want a space to release those ideas where you're not being judged, you're being critiqued, but in a good way and you can engage with people and no one is going to attack you personally, like MUN is a perfect space for that. You know, so I think that can really be beneficial to others. And I also think it can be beneficial in the sense of the soft skills and hard skills that we spoke about earlier. You know, so if you get involved in a more than casual way, it's likely that you will be doing simulations or you'll be writing some papers at some point in time. And this can help you to get a better understanding of different countries. And it can also give you a deeper understanding of different issues. You know, so there are a couple of different avenues for you to learn, for you to improve, for you to build your own self-confidence, um, for you to get a new perspective, you know? And if it is that you do decide to get competitive in MUN, there's also the opportunity that you could represent your school. You could travel and represent your school. There are many, many delegates over the past several years who have represented the University of the West Indies at HN Mun. Um, for many of those delegates, it would have been the first time traveling out of Jamaica. For me, it was my first time going to the United States. It was my first time seeing snow. It was an amazing experience, you know? Um, and just having that opportunity as part of your uh, like university experience is just something that you can't get just being an academic, you know? And even if you're in high school and you're thinking about, well, my school doesn't have a ton of resources, we'll never get this opportunity. I'll say don't limit yourself, right? If your school doesn't have a club, look into forming one. If your school does have a club, join that club. Because what happens is when you go into these spaces and you start to meet people who um, have similar ambitions, um, a lot of times opportunities can multiply. So you learn critical skills and then an opportunity just arises out of nowhere and you get the opportunity to compete, to travel, even if it's not outside of Jamaica, it could be within Jamaica. You could maybe get a hotel stay, who knows, right? So there are usually like some ways that you can benefit. And even if you can see it right now, just go in, learn the skills, get comfortable with like, learning about issues and talking about issues and debating issues and negotiation and just participating part of that process now is very likely to yield you some benefit in the future and you can take my word on that <laughs> definitely without a doubt and i mean we're kind of wrapping up here now so you know i love how passionate you are ronaldo about um model united nations because you know, I think in this age where a lot of us are still having, you know, school online, we don't have those chance, those chances, you know, to be in person, to be walking on campus and to be, you know, walking with a friend and talking about something, you know, or to be in a lecture room and to raise your hand and, you know, to start that conversation in person. So I think it's really amazing every time you go to a club meeting that persons who, you know, especially if they're not doing a, a a government or political science related degree can kind of go to the club and be like, okay, this is now, you know, this time, 
you know, for two hours where I can, you know, not just share my opinion, but I can learn about what's going on in the world. You know, if you didn't watch BBC in the morning, you can go to the club and basically get all of that in one plus, you know, getting to be involved in assimilation during the course of the school year. You know, so when you when I really think about it, you know, it's really all of these incredible, you know, worldly opportunities that you're getting through one club, which is amazing beyond belief. So again thank you for your enthusiasm because you know i think lots of persons they're either on on two sides of the boat either you hate politics or you love talking about it all the time (laughs) so you know i like that mun can kind of bring some some form of excitement to talking about politics where it doesn't have to be about you know watching a parliamentary procedure going on you know for hours it can be something that's exciting and you can look forward to it so to like two quick points here right um like i can't do anything i think this is my first public appearance since angela merkel um <laughs> resigned as chancellor i loved angela merkel so I oh my goodness <laughs> so she was a chemist she was a trained chemist with a phd in chemistry she was a scientist by trade but she became one of the most masterful masterful politicians of our age Right. And that's an amazing story. So regardless of what you're studying, think about how you can get involved in other fields, as you're rightfully saying, Jessica, Definitely. You know? and like explore your intellectual curiosity. The second point I want to make here is that people who study different subjects tend to think differently. Right. So people who study like humanities or the arts tend to be a bit more creative and a bit freer in their thought processes. People who study sciences tend to be more analytical. You know, so you have different ways that people like approach your own thought processes. And this kind of diversity is critical in Model UN because the issues that we discuss aren't just like political or economic or social in nature. We also talk about uh, like nuclear issues, right? We talk about scientific advancement. We talk about issues like pollution, like climate change. Climate change is a political issue because it's being politicized, but truly it's a scientific issue, right? When you look at the the solutions you need for climate change, they're scientific in nature. When you look at the origins of climate change, they're scientific in nature. When you look at measuring climate change, determining like the extent to which it's impacting the world, where we'll be impacted, all of that is scientific in nature. You know, so when you start to consider many of these issues, you realize that the dynamics are so great that they encapsulate every single field, right? In the UN, there are committees to deal with every single type of field that exists. So it's important for you to have diversity of thought, of experiences, of opinion in MUN. And um, that's why I really encourage people to join up, like regardless of the field that they're in and the field that they're interested in going in later on. For sure. And we're going to be wrapping up now with our little, you know, deep dive into modern United Nations. I think we really have been able to give persons who, you know, have probably never heard about modern United Nations a pretty robust understanding of what, you know, the club means, what simulations are. So to close off, because, you know, you are one of the, you're probably the most seasoned person in the modern United Nations world. <laughs> but what do you think was or is your favorite part of Model United Nations? All right. I think I don't think I'm the most seasoned. 
I'm probably one of the most. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite part. Uh, my favorite part is like when the official committee sessions are done. And this is like, regardless of whether it's in HN1 or if it's um, our simulation here, um, when the official committee sessions are done and the moderated caucuses are done and we're meeting informally to either iron out some final aspects of a deal or just having some dinner or going to a party. That's my favorite part. I'm not like big on parties usually, but after a very long day of work that begins at like 5.30, 6 a.m. and ends at 9, 10 in the night, I really love just like taking off the jacket, you know, having a drink, cracking some jokes, chilling with friends, like that's my favorite, favorite part because you know the work is done. You've done the best that you can and there's no longer any animosity. There's no dynamic. Everybody's just socializing, getting to know each other, having some fun. That's my absolute favorite part. You know, it's just completely de-stressing at the end of a very long day and reflecting on everything good, bad, funny and in between that happened throughout the day. You know, I love that feeling. <laughs> You know, and I, I'm pretty sure a lot of persons probably weren't expecting that response, but I mean, hey, that really can be the best part, just really just the experience and getting that amazing human connection. And Ronaldo, thank you so much for giving us, you know, so much information about what the United Nations that a lot of persons probably didn't know. Thank you for giving your advice and little tips and tricks, you know, and just sharing your experience with us because, you know, the more that we can share you know, information like this with other persons, you know, is the more that they can also benefit from an experience like this. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. And for those who are listening, there are more episodes to come. And remember that Model United Nations Declassified is training the youth of today to become the leaders of tomorrow. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. It was really nice being here. Of course. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the MUN Declassified Podcast. If you enjoyed content like this, consider joining the club. Join us every Thursday, 2 to 3.30 on Zoom. Until next time. Thank you.